0: Hello and welcome back to the bi-weekly lecture series with Reb T. The show where we talk a topic procession with some practical lessons. This week, we're this time we're talking Measure for Measure, Mida Keneged Mida, and Midot of Treasure. Shires Elyon Nishma, Simcha Aaron Ben Shachanun for the R'fulishleim of Shlomo Ben Saradina, as well as for the continued R'fulishleim of Saradu Sar- and for the R'fulishleim of all those sick with Corona or other ailments. Remember all the sheerum at shearenjoyment.com slash sheerum sheerumrebti. You can always shoot me an email at rebtee at SheerEnjoyment.com. Sources are from Safari, the wonderful website, highly recommended. Look out for the PTCs, the point to carry over, hopefully to take with us from the Shear. So when you ever think about the idea of what comes around, goes around, did you ever think about that phrase? Have you ever heard that phrase? What about the one such as retributive justice or as you do shall be done to you? There's also the idea of he reaped what he sowed. Further, another one goes, he had what was coming to him. These phrases all have something in common, especially the term treat others as you would like to be treated. The golden rule also is a famous one. I remember hearing that way back in the day. These terms all talk to the idea of measure for measure. mida k'neged mida. Sometimes you look at a person's face, especially this year I recognize it very much often, people tend to have a sour disposition a lot of times on their face and they give that over to the world. Some people have what I call a resting mean face, a resting mean disposition. Even when not talking, you could see that they're furious at the world. They're projecting anger, meanness, and rage against the world. Not against the machine, rage against the world. A sage once said, I don't remember who it is, but the sage said that your face is the public domain, the Rosh Hasharabim. We should portray happiness, kindness through our eyes, which are the windows to the soul. My wife told me way early on that she looked in my picture and she could see because of the crinkles in the eyes that it would look like a happy face, a nice face. So when we look at people's eyes, we could see into the soul. And when we look at a person's face, that's something that everyone could see. That should project really good things because what you project is what you will get. So we want to make sure to project good things and get the good things. And then we should also remember Derech Eretz Kadmalat Torah. Excuse me. Derech Eretz Kedma Torah. Proper manners comes first. The way to relate to others and through the world should be through manners, through midot. If we have sterling quality traits, not only does it reflect well on us and our families, but for the Jewish people and the whole world at large, it reflects well on everyone. Especially Hashem, it could be a huge kiddush Hashem. To be Mikadeh Shem Shemaim is one of the most important things in the entire world. We have such power to affect those people around us. I talk about it on all the shows. Anything you do, any person you meet, any person you interact with, you have the ability to change their day. We talked once about the famous story on one of my shows. There was a guy at the gas station who was heartbroken over a rabbi who passed away. People said to him, how do you know this rabbi? Who's this rabbi to you? Were you friends with him? The guy said there was a rabbi that came to my gas station every time he filled up my ga- his gas with my machine. He came over to me, asked me, how am I doing? How's it going, Joe? How's your day been? How's the family? How's everybody doing? How's business? He was the only one that cared. Everyone came in and left. Came in and left. People don't even say thank you to me. People don't even appreciate that I come to do the car for them. It probably was Jersey where he filled up the car for gas for him. But when that rabbi was no longer there, he wondered what happened. He was the one that brightened my week every week. And now he's gone? This is tragic. This is terrible. He brightened my entire life. Because that rabbi had such good me, such good quality traits. Such good mannerisms that even someone at a gas station attendant who people don't even think twice about, he made sure to think twice about to make a positive influence in his world, to affect his world, to make it more positive. Because all we have left after 120 years, and we say this a lot on the shows too, besides for leaving the legacy of children and family is the mitzvot, the Torah and the chesed that we do along with the reputation we leave behind. Perkei Alvus explains keser sheim ola al gabehem. There's keser kahuna, keser malchus, but keser Shemtov is the best thing you can get for yourself in the entire world. You can work the whole world and you can do as much as you can do. But what's left after 120 years is what kind of a person was he? What did he do? After 120 years, you're going to go up to Shemayim. They're going to say to me, Were you the best Nassar Mordechai you could have been? Were you a giver? Did you try to be generous? Something that I have to work on every day. Were you a warrior? We talked about names last time. Did you do worrying for Hashem? Were you in the army of Hashem? Did you fight for Hashem? We're going to be asked. Not if we were like Joe Shmo. We're not going to be asked. If we were like anyone else, we're going to be asked if we were as much as ourselves as we could have been. We're not going to be asked if we were like Rabbi Feinstein. We're going to be asked were we the best Reb T. we could have been. Were we the best Joe Schmo or Yonkel Schmerl we could have been if that's our names. Because we have such power to affect those around us to make a difference in the world. I mentioned it last week, but I want to mention it again also. One of the other shows, it's fascinating how we come into this world and how we leave this world, hopefully after 120 years. Look at a baby, a newborn. When he comes into the world, what is he doing? His hands are literally clenched like this. And if you're listening audio-wise, my hands are clenched in a fist. And after 120 years, what do the hands look like? The hands are empty because we come into the world, we want to take, we want to take, we want to take. And we want to do as much as we can, grab as much as we want to do, because this world is about doing. This world is about action, about movement. But after 120 years, there is nothing left we could take physically. There's nothing material-wise we could take. The body lets everything go; it cannot hold on to anything. The only thing we could take with us is our keter shemtov, is our Torah, is our mitzvos and our chesed, because this world is about action. The next world is reaction, it's about stagnation, it's about enjoying the fruits of our labors. This world is the prosdor, olam haba, Pirke Elvis explains. This world is about action, about the anteroom before the wedding hall. Fill up in the shmorg, because you might not have time to eat when you're dancing in the main room, so do as much as you can. Grab all the diamonds, throw them over the fence, like the famous parable of the fox who got all the grapes, kept eating them, and couldn't get under the fence. Then they were told, the fox was told to throw it over the fence. When you get all the midos, you get all the chesed, you get all the Torah, the mitzvahs done in this world, that's what we take with us. That's what we can leave behind. He was a great person. Nobody cares how much money you had after 120 years. Nobody cares how big your house was, what kind of a car you had, what even what your job was, unless you did things to help people, to make the world a better place. That's what matters. That's what people talk about after 120. My rabbi used to say in, in yeshiva, What are they going to talk about? What are they going to write about after 120 years on your tombstone? What are they going to say at your eulogy after 120 years? We should be Zocha to leave a reputation of wonderful things. It should be a sterling reputation, beautiful manners, a memory that is a blessing to all. His memory should be Baruch. His memory is to baruch. Why do they say his memory should be for a blessing? Because if you think of such a person that did such good things, it brings blessing to the world. If we fine-tune our midos, we understand the idea of measure for measure, hopefully we can attain such things. So first of all, we want to look at midah connected mida, measure for measure. Then we're gonna move over to different midot to talk about manners and we're gonna try to keep it concise as much as we can. So right away in the Gemara Sanhedrin, they pick up of the idea, how do we know about Mida Canegad Mida? There's a famous story from Malachim, Elisha, one of the great Nevi'im who follows in the path of Eliyahu, one of my favorite Nevi'im, not to play favorites, but Elisha was amazing also. There was a guy that doubted that Hashem could make the price of barley, the price of grain be a certain price, and he said, how can Hashem do it? Are there windows in Shabbat? Elisha said, you will see what will happen, but you will not partake with what will happen. You... We'll see, but you will not be able to understand. Because you doubted Hashem, Hashem will doubt your existence to take the word, to take the stuff. So Rabbi Rab Shmuel Bar Nachman explains this in Gemara. That's one of the sources. We know Mida Keneg Mida. Midah. And Rabbi Sachs picks up in an kam When Hashem is talking with Noah, He's talking about whoever sheds the blood of man, his blood should be shed. Of course, we know in proper times, if a Sanhedrin was bloody at all, it would be considered 1 in 7, 1 in 70 years would be considered too bloody. But in general, we talk about money. But the idea, in theory, your soul should be really for his soul. That's why we do the Tarnagol. That's why we do the chicken. Because really, we should offer up our life so many sins we have. We really don't deserve to be around. But the chicken, those who use the chicken, or money, those who do money, we have this in our place. Because to we sin, we really don't belong on the earth because we did so much bad. So instead we'll send out the money to the earth. Or we'll send the chicken to his resting place on the earth. Because they're supposed to take our place. But interestingly, the way that it's explained in this pasuk. Is the the actual verbiage is very fascinating. Who sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. It's an example of a mirror image of what we do. It's a moral principle in the Torah. The first one, tit for tat. Really, he shed the blood. He shed the blood. He should be shed. But of course, when in Gemara Nizikin and around, they explain what it really means. But the idea is me to connect me to what you do comes back and happens to you. Yeshayahu also picks up to it. What he did should really be done to him. He did evil, evil should be done to him. He eats the fruit of his works. Woe to the wicked man, he's going to have bad, he's going to have ill. So did it? shall he done, so shall be done to him. One of my favorite Michelin's in Avos also, Hilla points out a fascinating character in and of himself. He says, He saw a skull floating on the water. He said, because you drowned others, you were drowned. You caused others pain. You were pained. He was assuming that the skull was someone who was a robber, and someone who was a thief, someone who was a murderer. Because he did that, they drowned him. He did bad to others, so his end was to have bad. Rabbi Rabbi Nasi picks up in the Darm. If someone tries to use the signs, and we'll look at the source again later, it's not going to be good for him because we're not supposed to go by signs. We're not supposed to use signs. We're supposed to go by what Hashem wants. Not look for different Simon try to look for miracles or the like. If you attempt to tell your fortune, it's going to injure him. Don't try to do that. Measure for measure, it's not going to be good for you. Think about the idea when Shaul raised Shmuel from the dead. It wasn't really such a good thing. He should have just gone about his business in the regular way. The Pasen Gedba Midbar we just read in. In the Shalach portion, recently in the Torah, they sent out the spies for forty days—a really bad thing. Hashem tells Moshe, "Because you wanted the spies, Shalach lecha, Hashem." It doesn't say Shalach li, Hashem. Doesn't say send spies for me. Hashem didn't. need The spies, Hashem knows the land. Hashem loves the land. We're supposed to love the land too, but the people were. Doubtful, The people were afraid. The people didn't understand what to do. They had to send the spies. So because they did that, and they did such lush and horror on the land, even though Yeshua and Kali were not able to fully rectify it, Later on, when Yeshua sends out spies, he tries to rectify it in his own way. But their punishment was 40 for 40. 40 years for 40 days of spying. Why? It was one year for each day, according to Hashem's calculation. But if you think about it, it really wasn't as bad because they already were in the second year of the Midbar. It was really 38 years. Hashem didn't want anyone to die before 60 because there's an inyan of 60 related to Karius and whatnot giving them a life of 60. But that shows 40 for 40. And then again, the people cried because they were so scared, they were so upset, they were going to be devoured by the land, quote unquote. They were worried about being swallowed by the land. Hashem says, you're going to cry on the 9th of Av? This is going to be a day that's really going to be a reason for crying. You made you cried for no reason Gamal Soto points out you raised your voice but you knew it's Kolombayifku Amarab Amarabia Rabiykhanan also hayom tishabav haya amar karashbaro hinbahu bakhia shakhinam wa ani akawalahum bi khayal durat this is a cry, you cried for nothing but I'm going to make it a day for years for generations, terrible things are going to happen, of course we know the Batim Mekdashim. other different things happen, really bad news for that day, so the first point to carry over, what we do affects others, make sure to spread good and good will come back what you put into the universe, what you put out there, Hashem sees and Hashem will bring back to you, if it's good stuff, then the good stuff will come back, because Mishnah and Salta points out, the way that you do things will come back to you talking about the Sota, She did bad things. She was punished the exact way that she did the bad thing. She was with the guy and so too her punishment came in such a way through such a a manner. And then Rashi also points out when they talk about it back in Shalach also, their mouth tripped them up. They said they were going to descend and they actually went and they descended. The earth swallowed them up because they talked about descent. So they went into descendants because of that also. And Moshe pointed out in Korach, which we also read very, very recently, the whole idea of Korach is crazy. He came against Moshe, and, you know, he already was in a position of power, but power wants power, and the whole Reuven came to him, even though they shouldn't, because they were neighbors, not a good neighbor to have. So Moshe wanted it to be measure for measure, so it was. They went with their mouth, They spoke against Moshe in a derogatory way and they were devoured by the mouth of the earth. The lowest of the elements, the mouth of the earth swallowed them up because they used the lowest of the elements. The mouth, which could be used for good or mad, the Chavetz Chaim, I believe, points out the mouth has two safeguards. There's no other safeguard that happens in the body besides for by the mouth, the teeth, the tongue. The lips are supposed to stop you from speaking Lashon You have two or three safeguards because Hashem wants you to think three times before speaking Lashon Hara, Motz or rachilas, Avak Hara, or any of those things. But we should realize the mouth has such damage. It could do such damage. We should have realized that and re- and put that to our own existence to try to watch what we say as we saw what happened to them over there. And Sari Yochab Regal points out on H.com a wonderful a wonderful person who writes for H.com, that the principle of Midah Kenegan Midah is that we get what we give. We stand before Hashem and Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. We ask Him to help us out. I forgive everyone else on earth. Please forgive me for anything that I did, for everything that I did. Because if we forgive others, Hashem can forgive us. We think about the idea of the Egyptians, and we're going to look at it in a little bit closer in a second, they tried to harm the Jews in so many ways, and they were punished in so many ways. They especially wanted to destroy the Jewish people through the river, so they were destroyed at Yamsuf through the river, just as they wanted to destroy their own victims. And the Gemara Sota also points out that the Egyptians tried to flee towards the sea, but Hashem brought the sea towards them. They brought a flood upon themselves. They wanted to destroy the Jews through the flood, they were flooded by the waters of the Yamsuf. And they wanted to destroy Israel, so Hashem destroyed them, by water by water, always in the same way. And that brings us to point number two. In the exact way we affect others, that is the way we get affected. Just like the water to Egyptians, literal mita k'negna mita, whatever happens is exactly the way that it was meant to be. There's a fascinating exposition over here of each of the makas, pointed out by the Medrash, but brought to me by tourresponse.org with Mr. Robert Sussman, based on Medrash Leil Shimurim. Based upon by the Medrash, why was each makkah brought in such a way? Why was blood done in such a way? The Egyptians wanted to mess with the Taharat Mishpacha of the Jews, so the Egyptians were suffered, were punished because of blood. They wanted to mess with that aspect of the Jews, so they were messed in that aspect. And also, they forced Jews to draw water, so when we give you water, it's going to be blood. As Medrash Tenchoma points out, Why frogs? The Egyptians told them to bring insects, to bring nasty creatures just so they could play with them. So Hashem said to them, You brought me, you brought my children, messed around to make them have to bring creatures and insects. I'm going to bring creatures on you. And that's how we see the sounds of the frogs could even be heard in the stomachs of the Egyptians, pointed out by Yaakov Shmoni. Why lice? The Jews would be forced by the Egyptians to sweep the houses and the streets and all the places of Egypt. So Hashem changed the dust of Egypt into lice until there was no more dust to sweep. And also, the Medrus points out, the Egyptians didn't let them take baths and washing their clothes. So Hashem is going to make the Egyptians not have ability to get rid of these nasty creatures no matter what they do. You think about wild beasts. The Egyptians, the Metrium, made the Jews bring the bears and lions and make contests and games with them. So Hashem said, I'm going to mess with your wild beasts. You made the Jews do this, it's going to come back to you, as pointed out by the al And the sickness of the animals, they made them shepherd the horses and they made them bring all the sheep and the cows and then sickness came and killed the animals that, the, that were shepherded for them. So they literally lost all the animals that they made the Jews bring for them. And why boils? Because they were so mean to the Jewish people. They made them warm the water and then cold the water and then warm the water. So the boils came and that they would not be able to wash themselves in either hot or cold water. And another reason, Yalka points out, Shmoni, the slavery was so hard they didn't even have a second to scratch themselves from hard work. So you don't let my Jewish people have a second to scratch. You're going to scratch all day because you didn't let them even have that second. And the Egyptians made the Jews sow the wheat and the barley and so many things. And therefore the locusts came and destroyed everything that they made the Jews work so hard on. They, they worked them to the bone. I'm going to destroy all the stuff you think you made the Jews do. That's the locusts. And then the darkness, second to last one. When they would eat a meal, they would bring a Jewish person. And they would light a lamp and they would do mean things to them. And they would tease them. So they were stuck in the dark. And the Egyptians also wanted to put them in prison. So they were put in the metaphorical prison. I think Rashi points out the first three days of darkness was so dark, but they could still move. And the second three days was so dark, they couldn't even move. So they were in their own prison. And then the death of the firstborn, of course, because they wanted to kill the Jewish people. So they were called. Because it says, Ein shames. Every single house had someone dead. And, and even the Medjash points out further, Racheli, Mama Rachel was crying over the children for so many years. So Hashem made every house cry over their own children. Fascinating how even the ten makos, every single mako was mida kinegemida, because everything Hashem does is mida mida and that's why if we if we daven to Hashem and we cry for the right things on, on Yeshivah and Shiva S'ber Tomes, all the facets, Hashem will hold those tears and use it to our advantage and keep it in the treasury, as pointed out by Gamar Shabbos fascinating. Gemara Sota points out, why does it point out that Hashem buried Moshe? What is the reason for that? Of course, there's always a reason for everything, but if you look back in the Torah, Moshe himself went to bury Aaron, and Moshe says to himself, I guess Hashem saw him, Moshe desired such a death for himself, the kiss of Hashem, a very peaceful death, almost like taking a, a death, almost like taking a strand of hair from a soup, very, very non-painful, very simple, very very quick, because the righteous are so enveloped in their soul that their body is discarded like a piece of hair, as, this, as the Medrashah Singh points out. So Moshe was made sure by Hashem to take care of the burial by Hashem Himself in the same way as Aaron, because Moshe took care of Aaron's burial in the same way. So Hashem took care of Moshe, like Moshe took care of Aharon. And again, the Gemara points out, don't look for those signs that will injure them if you look for them. And what is the point of the, of the you think, the mitzora a famous gemara from Erechin that Mitzorah the mitzora was someone who went around and, and slandered and spread gossip and he would destroy families he would separate between husband and wife he would separate between cousins and cousins he would separate between families and families and between friends and friends so he as punishment would have to wait outside the camp for his excuse me for his dwelling he would not be able to be in the camp he made people be separated so he himself was separated from the camp as payment for what he did. And on the converse, Miriam was waited for, just like she waited for Moshe. She she, she sent off Moshe, so what would happen with him, so Miriam was rewarded when she spoke of against Moshe, that the whole congregation waited for her for seven days, which hopefully we'll see later. The Gemara Rosh Hashanah points out even punishment. If a person is with other people in the wrong way, then they will be punished in the same way they'll be punished in such a manner also. And the Gemara points out, and the Dvarim Rabba points out also that there are ways that are done, that everything Hashem does, Show me your ways, Then Hashem points out some things to him, he puts him in the cave, he can only see the back of Hashem, he only can understand some things, but here he's asking to explain the keneged midah and Hashem answers everything I do is midah, keneged midah even when I'm sending a malach in front of you even when I'm doing different things everything is for midah, keneged midah. And, and also it points out in Shemos if you mistreat others Hashem will cause it that you, God forbid, will be mistreated because those that are downtrodden the orphan the ger, the convert, and the yassum, the the and the alman, excuse me, the widow, all have to be taken care of. But if you don't take care of them, Hashem will make sure that you're not taken care of in the right way. We have to take care of everyone else so Hashem could take care of us in the right way as well. And, and in Ovadya, Hashem even points out to the other nations, If you don't take care of my people correctly, I will make sure that I will take care of you. You should have the right conduct even against the nations of the world, you have to make sure to do so. That's why the Romans were punished, even though they were shilochim of Hashem to destroy his Beis HaMikdash, it shouldn't have been in such a harsh way, it shouldn't have been in such an intense way, and Hashem held them to fault. Also in the Mitzrium, even though they were the agents of Hashem, they went way above and beyond they needed to be. And even more recent examples you could explain, they went way above and beyond they had to, in many, many different aspects, so Hashem punished them also. You think about the idea? Adoni Bezek, he got rid of other people, their thumbs and big toes. So he also lost his thumbs and big toes. He was exactly dealt with in the same way that he dealt with others. My, one of my favorite people Shmuel, in, in in the Sefer Shmuel also deals with Agag the same way. I'm going to take this out because I don't like Hashem's full name to be there. Sorry about that. But Hashem made sure to take care of Agag through Shmuel. Shmuel was the greatest person out there. Shmuel, Kemoshima, Aram, Bedoro. Shmuel was one of the greatest people, but he did not hesitate to take care of an enemy, especially Amalek, Agag, that he had to. He literally took care of him. Agag got rid of a lot of people. Shmuel got rid of Agag, just as he left a lot of people bereft, so too he and his family would be bereft. And Hashem explains if you incense me, if you get rid of, if you make. Make me upset, especially with Avodah Zara. I'm going to make you upset. I'm going to mess back with you. You mess around with Avodah Zarah, you will be paid back in kind. And this is the source we talked about also. Miriam. Miriam was waiting seven days because of Lashon Har. The people didn't leave because of this, as we said before. But this is here in person. Rashi explains. And his is to the people waited for as a reward she literally waited for Moshe so literally the entire Am waited for Miriam even a small act the points carry over here will be rewarded in kind the same way it was done a fascinating example pointed out by my wife over here in Shmuel Aleph David and Shaul, we had a, we talk about this a lot in many of the lectures, many of the shows. Very, very intense relationship, very complicated. He was the son-in-law. He was married to two of da- two of Shaul's daughters. His best friend was Shaul's son. He was going to take over the Machlus. I'm sure Shaul knew this on many levels, but he had this melancholia. He had this crazy condition take over him. He was chasing David, wanted to kill him, even though David was his heart player and his arm bearer. Crazy. So David goes and hides, but one time. David has the ability to kill Shaul, but he doesn't kill him. Instead, he cuts off a corner of Shaul's cloak, but he's faulted for that, the sages say. Rashi points out in a second, right near my Haftorah, one of my favorite Prakim in all of Tanakh, in Navi at least, King David was old, advanced in years. They covered him with his bedclothes, but he did not feel warm. Why did he not feel warm? They had to bring vishag, different people, to let him be warm, but he wasn't able to be warm to clothing. Why? Because Rashi points out, he who disgraces clothing will ultimately be deprived of their pleasure, deprived of that pleasure. David's clothing did not warm him, warm him because he tore off the corner of Shaul's robe. Everything has to be treated with respect. And Rabbi Shmuel saw that also the devil was, was so fearful in his blood because he saw in his mind, or maybe he saw in a vision that the angel was coming to take over your slime one day. But we have to make sure to treat even animals, objects, with respect because it can fail you one day. And we have to realize that everything has to be taken care of with respect. So the main idea is to bring to the world the proper midos, mida connected mida. We should deal with others in the right way, then Hashem could deal with us in the right way. That's part one. Now let's look at part two. We're going to look at some sources about midos, matters of treasure, not the, not the random midos that we'll see around, but some pinpointed midos that I wanted to point out for us in our time together. So these are different midos that we'll see. And of course, the whole Pirkei Avos is fantastic. The whole Pirkei Avos is amazing. We'll talk about it in a second. There's a whole show we do about it. But beforehand, let's look at this idea. Good manners, someone who has good manners, is the person that we want to talk of. If you have Torah in your mind, you have Nevi'im Eksuvim in your mind, you have Mishnah Gamar in your mind, you're able to be a good civilized man. Mifkar Paninim points out, it's not just by experience. Your moral instruction, polite manners, comes with intelligence and with time. Good conduct and good manners are the stepping stones to a high rank. Kindness and piety comes in hand with that. And my favorite, one of my favorite Gemara's, that was Mechmer upon him, one of my favorite Gemara's is from Shabbos, the famous case of Hillel and Shammai. A convert comes before Shammai, teach me the whole Torah on one foot and I will convert. Shammai says, no, pushes him away with the builder's cubit with a ruler in his hand. Not the way that I would go about it, not the way that Hillel will go about it, but of course there are different ways of teaching. A lesson here, there are different ways of coming about your students. But that was a measuring six Shema used. But Hillel, the same guy came before Hillel. Hillel said, I will convert you and I'll tell you the one thing that you need to know the golden rule. That which is hateful to you, do not do to another person. That is the entire Torah. The rest is its interpretation. Go study. The whole Torah is via haftal, loreah, treat others right. Have the right manners. Have the right me to connect me to bring forth the right things to the world and it'll come back to you. Make sure the point to carry over to have good manners. Do not do to others as you would not want done to you. Treat others as you want to be treated. That is the golden rule. That is the way to go. And we think about Esau. Esau only cared about the bowl of lentils. He only cared about not dying and not... And not having his, his satiations taken care of. He was so, so tired, he sold his entire birthright just for a bowl of lentils. And that's the idea of Asa we have to avoid. And we think the opposite extreme. Ish Moshe Anav pointed out, first we pointed out, Bracious Now and Bamidbar, Moshe's characteristic trait, trait, the number one thing talked about Moshe besides Re'evan Hashem, is Anav Me'od. That is the biggest praise and reward he was given about talking about in the whole torah the number one trait he has was humility humbleness is a key thing to have we'll talk about it in a little bit but the rambam points out everything should be the middle path except for anger and arrogance so stay tuned we'll get to that in a little bit the whole perky is amazing we have a whole show about it the pal we just finished season three We'll come back in early fall for season 4. We do a different Mishnah a night. Every night with the help of a commentary. Different comments. We always try to do it in 10 minutes or less. But Pirke Elvis is so amazing. I had to bring lots of different examples from Pirke Elvis about the idea of Midos. Because the whole Pirke Elvis is basically about character refinement. And moral refinement. And ethical refinement. Because everything you do is reflected on that. And people tend to think that Mishnah and Gemara is easily found from Moshe Mishnah but of course Elvis is also Moshe Mishnah and of course ethics and morality comes from Hashem handed down through Moshe over the years the best way to come about things is doing things through Torah the more counsel the more charity the more peace the more Torah the more life you sit with scholars you get more wisdom you acquire a good name as we talked about in the intro you acquire something for yourself knowledge of Torah you get the world to come the best way to go Elvis also points out one of my favorite Mishnahs what is the best thing to have? Should you be a good neighbor? Should you have foresight? Should you be a companion? Should you have a good eye? The best thing to have is to have a good heart. Because when you have a good heart, everything else is included in the good heart. Then you'll have a good eye. You'll be a good neighbor. That's the manners to have. Have that lave Tov, and everything else will be good. Rabbi Yosho points out later in also, to avoid the evil eye, the evil inclination, and hatred for humankind that puts you out of this world. And if Hashem is pleased with you, you will be pleased with yourself as well. But if other people are not pleased with you, Hashem is not pleased with you, if Hashem is pleased with you, that's the best way to know that things are right. And you look at others, if others are pleased with you, Hashem is pleased with you. Avoid the morning sleep, the midday wine, and children's talk. That puts you out of the world also. And without Derech Eretz, there's no Torah. Without Torah, there's no Derech Eretz. Interestingly, Derech Eretz Kadma Torah. The famous phrase is Derech Eretz Kadma Torah. Why? Pick Elvis points out that you need to have Derech Eretz because Vayikor Abba points out because Derech Eretz came before Torah. There were so many generations before Torah. How do we know what type of person to be? Who is the paradigm of Chesed? Avraham. Avraham lived way before the Torah was given, but he still gives to us the paradigm of Chesed because Torah came after Chesed. The way to get to Torah is with Derech Eretz. Afterwards comes Torah. That's what Vayikor Abba points out. Also the Orzifun points out that the Derech Eretz precedes the Torah by so many generations, because good character traits and attributes are included in Derech Eretz. That's ingrained in human nature, and that comes before the giving of the Torah. The Torah builds on these traits and attributes, because we can learn many things from others around us, we'll see in a minute, we can learn so many things from different animals, but Torah itself comes to build on Derech Eretz, because point to carry over, Derech Eretz Kadma la Torah. proper manners comes first. We've talked about it in a different lecture. I don't care if you need an Aliyah, you want to make kiddush, you don't push a hundred people out of your way. You want to go say hi to the rabbi who comes visit, you don't throw people on the ground to do so. That's throwing out the whole Torah. What's the point of greeting the great rabbi if you're throwing everyone to the dirt to get to that rabbi? You're missing on the whole point of derech Eretz. Perk Elvus points out, Rabbi Elazar points out, envy, kin, atava, and covet all put a person out of this world, so we've got to avoid those things. Perkyalos also says you run from honor, honor will find you. You run after honor, you'll never get the honor. Don't look for honor. Don't speak in front of someone greater than you. Don't break into someone's speech. Don't be hasty to answer. Answer to the point. All good things to try to keep the manners. Acknowledge the truth. If you don't know something, say you don't know. Even Rashi, the great Rashi, sometimes says, I don't know, but my heart tells me. And there are different types of traits to have. To be someone whose mind is yours and yours is yours is a pious person. You can have whatever you want from my closet. Take the shirt off my bag. Take the money from my pocket. It's all for you. What you have is for you. What I have is for you. That's the way to be pious. Another great temperament, which is of course very difficult to work on. The one who's hard to become angry, but easy to become appeased. That's a good mannerism. That's a chassid. That's a pious person. And a great type of charity giver is one who desires that he himself should give, which is a level of itself. A lot of people are very hard to part with their money. But if you realize that you're a Shomer on the money, you were given the money to watch over, 10% of course goes to Hashem. It's not even your money to begin with. shouldn't be hard to give sedaka with that mindset. But you want others to give also. That's a pious person. And if you're a disciple of Avram, you're someone who's moderate, someone who's humble, someone who has a good eye and a good heart. The opposite would be Bilem. We don't want to be that. You got to get rid of the envy from your heart. Also, Shabbos points out Gemara Shabbos, envy in your heart during your lifetime, your bones will rot in the grave, which might be a metaphor, but still good to know. Get rid of envy. There's no point. The Torah could command you not to have jealousy because it's something that's attainable. Hashem would only tell you to do something that you could possibly do. Why should you be jealous of something else? Would you be jealous of the queen? The Queen has nothing to do with you. So everyone else also, their life station has nothing to do with you. Hashem gives you exactly what you need. So why do you have to have jealousy? Why do you have envy? He gave you exactly the wife, the children, the house, the car, the job you need. The only thing you watch out for is Mitchell Saniveros. That's really up to you. But everything else, Hashem will take care of you. And the Gemara Eirvin also points out one of my favorite phrases. Abba Rabbi Eli Rabbi Eli says, Bishlo devarim adam nikar. Three ways you can recognize the true essence of a person. Bekoso, with his cup. How does he act when he's drunk? Bekiso, with his wallet. How does he act with his money, with his time, with his resources? Is he generous? Or bekaso, how does he act when he's angry? How does he deal with his anger? You want to see the real essence of a person, look for these three things. Koso, kiso, kaso. Gamar Averin also points out there are so many ways we can learn what to do from other people. Modesty from the cat. Stealing from an ant, for and being truthful and loyal to your partner from the dove, and how to be involved with other people with the rooster. Different animals can teach you different things. Everything Yeshlo Shaab Yeshlo. I forget the phraseology, but there is a time and a place for everything. Perkei Elvis points out because we learn something from everyone. Eizahu Chacham Halomay Adam. Someone who's a smart one learns from everyone around us, especially one who learns from the animals around him also. Gemara Psechum points out, Hashem loves the people who don't get angry, the people who don't get drunk, the people who are forgiving, the people that make sure to testify in the right way, and the people that make sure to go about the right manners. And Gemara Sota points out, those who will not come to Hashem are cynics, and flatterers, and liars, and slanderers. Avoid these things as much as you can. If you're diligent in mitzvot, you'll have a clean soul, and you'll avoid evil. You'll, you'll come to purity. You'll come to have humility, Fear of sin and holiness, and coming to Hashem, as Avodah Zara points out, so many ways to come to Hashem if you have the proper manners. And the Gemara and Brishit Rabba, and also Yaakov points out, if you think about how to serve with your body, you can control things. Your legs, your arms, they are under your control. And the the eyes, the ears, and the mouth are not as much on your control. Much harder to control what you see, what you hear, and what you say than what you than what you use your hands and your hand and your, your mouth and your feet for. So you've got to be careful with that. I mean, the eye, the ear, and the nose, sorry, is much harder to control than the other ones. But remember, your actions and mannerisms are very much under your control. Control them. Make sure they are pristine. And when, when Moshe comes to Korach and Dasan and Aviram to talk to them, he wanted to warn them. He came specifically to them because he was so humble. He didn't want to have machlokis. Pickups points out which machlokus was not correct. Korach adasov. They couldn't even agree. The whole congregation, that's why it says Korah Fakul adasov. But Moshe went and tried to make amendments because he wanted them to do well and to repent. A good person doesn't want to destroy people around us, doesn't want to kill them. He wants them to repent. Hashem also wants people to repent. Mishnah Tor also points out: watch out for different temperaments. Make sure not to get vexed. Watch out for angry moods. Watch out for anger. Watch out for being obtrusive or not. Make sure to be sensitive. And make sure not to overstuff yourself. Over, everything should go in the middle way. Tor also points out, we talked about before, except in two ways, except for arrogance and anger. Because arrogance you're, you're, and anger, you're basically serving yourself. When you're so angry, you feel like you're righteously anger, you're basically serving yourself. You have to watch out for that. And also, you have to be strict and careful in all your mannerisms whatever is expected from you especially to be gentle and friendly with other people and kind with them without any retort because we have to go in the middle path except for anger and arrogance a point to carry over except for those two things we always have to do the middle path even Haman and and Mordechai talk about manners a little bit before Mordechai goes to the king he says I can't go I have to get a haircut I have to don the robes I have to look right when you're coming before Hashem the king of all kings, you should be in the right way. Even if you're working at home, even if you won't see anyone, it's good to get dressed, it's good to be kept. It's good to shower, good to have hygiene, from an OT perspective as an OT, but in general, always good to have the proper mannerisms and always good to keep a kept appearance, because Hashem is always in front of you. And make sure to cling to the wise people, to have the right manners in front of the, in front of the people. Even Ishmael, Ishmael himself had good manners. So he made sure to change his garments, as Eniakov points out, whether he was serving wine or whether he was cooking. He didn't want to ruin his garments. And Rashi points out the temple service, they would change their clothes repeatedly. So, before Hashem in cleanliness, when they're pouring the goblet or doing the blood or doing the ashes, they would change their garments so many times. And Rashi also points out in Shamos not to eat till you're over, overstuffed. I think Rambam also points out you should eat till you're full, but not overstuffed, overfull. Eat to satiate. That's why it says, when you are savata. When you're satiated, you should eat. Now when you're overstuffed like a glutton, don't be a glutton. Eat to satiation. Mishra Torah also points out, when you have good manners, you won't speak before those who are wiser than you or those who are greater than you or superior than, than you. Make sure to learn in the right ways. You have to have proper manners in dress, eating, and in speaking. Avram teaches us also to have manners. Even when you're using your inns, don't change the inn that you went to. The same inn you came with and you used on the way to your trip, use it on the way back in order to pay back the debts and use the right ways. And Moshe even showed what Hashem said and went back to Hashem to tell him what the people said. Don't you think Hashem knew what the people said? But Hashem went and heard Moshe. Moshe went to Hashem because it was proper manners to tell Hashem what the people said. Even walking should be done in the right way. The the Gemara Chulin points out you should walk to the right of you should walk to the proper part of your teacher because if you're walking on the, right, on the wrong side, it's not acting with right manners. Walking on the wrong side of a person is someone who doesn't have the right manners. Tractor Der Hertz also talks about not entering the house suddenly. There's a great story of four sages, including Rabbi Akiva, who come before a person, a philosopher, who they need to ask a question. They knock a couple of times. The philosopher doesn't know what to do. How am I going to greet these people? He sees through the peephole, there's four different people. How am I going to greet them? So he figures out a way that he won't disrespect anyone. He talks about how to greet them. Peace upon you, sages of Israel, headed by Rabbi Gamaliel, who is the greatest of his generation. Because even when you greet people, you should do it in the right way. So you should have courtesy for hosts and guests walking with others, talking with others, even using the same lodgings possible. When someone comes to you, or when you go to someone, try to ask for the minimal possible, not the maximum, because you don't want to give too much of an onus on the person. Only need ask what you need. But when you're taking care of others, give as much as you can. As Svorno points out in Beratius, and Radak points out in Beratius also. Avram is such a great example of Chesed, is such a great example of they say a little bit, but they do so much. He said a piece of bread, but he gave them a sumptuous meal. He gave them so much. He slaughtered a whole cow, a whole calf, just for the tongue to give to them. There's so many manners, so many customs the Torah points out. There's so many good manners. Washing in the right way, eating in the right way, sitting in the right way, making sure to giving the right distinguishment to the right people, giving the right couch to the right person, not sitting in someone else's seat. So we have to be like Avram, be like the sages, see a little but do a lot, use the proper mannerisms, and don't do the mannerisms of heathen society. Dina goes out and looks at the manners of the people of the land, and then Shechem comes to her. Because when she went out, she was very outgoing, she was very extroverted, but extroverted, excuse me, to a very high degree. So much so that people take notice of her, not having the proper tsinnah, not having the proper modesty. You have to watch out for the heathen customs. Anything against the heathen, we should avoid because it could lead to idolatry. We're not supposed to do the heathen customs. We're supposed to dress refinely. That's why on Shabbos we dress in a certain way. We should watch out for the manners of the heathen, also pointed out by the Ramam and the Sefer Hayasham, We want to watch out. Avram was told to watch out for the manners of his generation. They're all wickedness and they're all vain. Don't follow the ways of secular society. Don't follow what it says to do in non-Jewishness because it leads to trouble. And consider your actions in accordance with good manners. Everything is good manners. Watch out for that. And track it also. And Yalquit ta- points out a very famous thing, a-, a phrase I love. What are you supposed to teach your children? You're supposed to take care of the breasts and Mila. Redeem them for pidyon aben. Teach them Torah. Teach them a craft. Give them a job so they could support themselves and marry them off. Rabbi Kiva even says to swim. Important to teach them to swim. And and Rabbi Kiva says that, and Rabbi says, even teach them manners, because manners are not always inborn. Sometimes you have to teach it, sometimes you have to nurture it, and you have to give them the right manners through nurturing them. Manners are not always inborn, as point says here, they have to be taught. It's not always nature, sometimes it has to be nurture. Even when you're giving a lecture, when you're talking to people in a crowd, make sure you practice what you're going to speak a few times. Rabbi Kiva once came to a synagogue, and they wanted him to read from the Torah scroll to accept an aliyah, because in those days they would read the aliyah that they got, but he didn't take it. Why? Because he said, I didn't review the portion enough, and it would be presumptuous of me, it would be an insult to the congregation to read when I didn't actually practice what I read. And the, and it also points out in Shnei Lohotabrit that you could learn manners from Moshe when he came up to the angels. The angels don't eat and drink, so he didn't eat and drink, because you followed the local customs. We're going to look at Dina de in one second. And when the angels came down to earth in Manoach, they did not accept food and drink because they had nothing to do with food and drink. But Avram, who took care of them as guests, they accepted food and drink because you're supposed to do the mannerisms of the people you're around. When you come to Avram, you act like a guest. When you go up to Shemayim, you act like an angel. Gemara B- Babakama points out, Dina de The matter of the law is the law itself. The law of the kingdom is the law. You have to follow the laws around you. You have the mannerisms of the law around you. The laws are good. They're supposed to be there. Prick Elvis points out, if not for laws, the society and man would eat each other alive. We need to have laws. We need to have legality system, a legal system around us. And also, even an agent of the king, someone who comes from the police, the FBI, anyone who's working in the government, everyone should be given the proper respect and the proper authority. Because when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans. You follow the customs and the laws of the place you live or visit. Even so, we have to make sure to have our manners in everything. Even when, when you're by yourself, you should have the proper mannerisms. Even when she heard Sarah heard about the, 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 the idea of having a son, she laughed herself. Nobody heard her laugh, but Hashem knew. The Malach knew. That's why it had to be taken care of in the way it was. And that's why the tzchok tz- 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 had to be done in the right way. Tzchok in the right way when he was named Yitzchak. And when you have a guest, it's good manner to prepare for something. Even if they come in short notice, give them anything you can. Take a guest, even if it's the last minute. It's always good to have guests. It's such a beautiful mitzvah, achnas orchim. Especially because they're tired, give them whatever you can on short manners. Rivka herself gave her guest, gave Eliezer what she could as soon as she saw him. She was very prompt. She let him drink right away, right away when she came to take care of him. And when Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar points out, also give to Hashem, give to your guests that which you sell you yourself would have that is palatable. Don't give yourself meat that's not salted. You wouldn't give yourself that. Don't give it to your guests or Hashem. Make sure that it's salted properly. Make sure to give Hashem your first produce. That's why we do Bikurim. We're supposed to give Hashem the first of your fruit before anyone else. You can't eat your harvest before giving it to Hashem. As Chizkuni points out, it would be prop- bad manners if you don't give to Hashem before you have the food yourself. And also the angels asked Avram about his household because it's proper manners to ask about the wife. And Yaakov also picks up on that. When you come as a guest, ask guests ask about the host, ask about the wife, ask about the children and the family, I would add also. Good manners to make sure that you take care of people that you're staying by and that are staying by you. When you're departing, make sure to take care of them and to bring them out on the way. The whole idea of Egla Rufus is because the guest was not escorted in the right way and he was murdered on the way. Had they walked him out, Hopefully, maybe he would have been saved. Good manners. Make sure to walk him out. Nowadays, walk him out, Daladamos. And Rivka also made sure to slide down when she saw Yitzchak. She saw he was a huge tzaddik, so she wanted to make sure that the proper, manis- proper modesty, the proper mannerisms, and the proper manners. Also, we also learn that you could decline from a lesser person, but not from a greater person. The Ramban points out in 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 in. Voracious also. Don't get rid of the guests abruptly, also walk them out, as we pointed out before the Radak to- talks. And also that Tor Orurach points out even Racha when she declined her her father Lovman was because she tried to do good manners, even though she was trying to hold the idolatry, still she was to tra- tra- proper manners by explaining it in a in a good way. And Yitzchak also tried to have proper manners when dealing with Avram and Avimelech. And even Yaakov sent Yosef, even though he knew it was dangerous, he wanted to have good manners to make sure to find out what happened to the children, what happened to the livestock. Because you have to take care of the animals, even if they're not human beings. They need to be taken care of in the right way. Chizkuni points out, and Torah Orach points out, that you have to ask permission to leave. That's why Moshe asked to leave from Yisro, even though he didn't need anything from him at that time. We have to talk to people in their right station, in their right in their right way. If they're a rabbi or they're a doctor or whatever their position is, we should give them the proper manners and the proper respect of what it is. Even when he went to Hebron, even when he went to take care of the brothers, he did it out of the good manners that his father told him. The whole idea of the Torah is manners, manners, manners. Having the proper midos is what we learn from many aspects of the Torah. Even when Esther became a queen, she still had the proper manner. She didn't change her manners, as the legends of the Jews points out. We always have to have good manners. No matter where we are, even if we get rich, successful, famous, or popular, always keep our manners. Even as Avram did, he was notified by God what he was doing because to show him what he was doing. He wanted him to pray to him because of of the proper mannerisms. Even if you address an assembly of people, you should be standing up instead of sitting down in front of them. Except for here, I got to sit down, sorry about that. But when you're standing in yeshiva, it's good manners to have those around you. And you should call people by the right name, not by the first name, like it talks about in Shnei Lechota Brit. You have to give the proper mannerisms, the proper talking about the station in life to Abba. You should call Abba, don't call him by his first name. That's why a lot of times people call parents by their first names. I always was weirded out by that. I like Mr. better. Or figuring out a way, even even different people when we're talking about our kids, I always figure out a way to say it, try to figure out, it's always awkward but we try to say it in a way that's a little bit more mannerisms, and that's what Avram also said, even if he's a certain age, he still wants to have the proper manners, and Solomon King Shlomo points out to us when we have to talk about the way we dress, talk and priorities we should have, we should make sure to socialize and to deal with our friends in the right way. On the one hand, we want to make sure to have the right amount of privacy, but also we want to make sure to give our friends the time they want to have with us and the family that we want to have, to have with us should be a proper balance of make sure we have time. We always should prioritize our spouse and our children, but also to have time with our family, but not to the, neglection, to the neglectfulness of our spouses and children. When you go with your with your teacher, you should also go in the right way. When you leave, you make sure to go out the right way, as the tractate Kala points out. Torah points out that Yaakov also talked about his wives in the right manner. And when you talk about people, when you talk about their work, say that you want them to be matzliach. We try to say a lot of times you should be matzliach because people should take pride in their work and you should give them the blessing that they should be matzliach. And when you're at the table, you should, you should even have the proper manners when sitting at the table, not to gulp down food like Esav did when he sold Yaakov the birthright. You should eat slowly, enjoy your food. You could be a foodie, but eat in the right way, in a slow way, in the proper way. We should also make sure to set an example for others to be a Tom and chacham, because people look from us, people see us. We might be the only Jew in our entire building, like I am. And, well, I have two others, but I'm one of the only Jewish males in the entire practice of the whole school this past year. So when I walk around, people look to me and see that I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a wearing a kippah. I have to give a good example, and we have to make sure to stand up for the Jews and stand up for Hashem. Make sure to have the polite manners, even when you're working in a profession, as pointed out by Mishnah Kedushin. And to have good manners, to give the dishes that the, the, the guests want and to make sure to even take care of your surroundings, take care to make sure that your house is up camped, your car is up camped, because manners exceed not only to ourselves and others but even to things around us so have proper manners where we are and where we go i just want to wrap up trying to keep it a little more succinct so what we do affects others make sure to spread good and then good comes back and the way we affect others we get affected hashem calculates the actions we do for others as well even a small act will be rewarded in the same way it was done we treat animals and objects with respect because it could fail you one day we have to have good manners treat others like you want to be treated and remember derech eratz kamala torah proper manners comes first. Your actions and mannerisms are under your control. Make sure they're pristine. usually go the middle path except for anger and arrogance when you need the opposite. We have to have manners in dress, eating and speaking. We also have to extend our courtesy to hosts and guests walking with others in the same lodgings. Say little. Do a lot like Avram. Don't follow the ways of secular society and non-Jews. It leads to trouble. Manners are inborn a lot of times, but really sometimes it has to be taught. It's not always nature. Sometimes it has to be nurtured. And remember, when we're in America, when we're in exile, even when we're in Eretz Yisrael we have to do Dina Demachusa Dina when we're in Rome we do as the Romans inquire and take care of others with tasty food on short notice before yourself even if dangerous even for safety we have to show good manners we have to have the good manners even if we get rich or successful and we have to have it in the way we talk the way we dress and the priorities and where we go wherever we are whether we're at work or at the table we should always have the proper manners as much as possible thank you so much for joining us we hope to see you again in two weeks same time where we talk about another topic here on the Y Weekly Lecture Series with Reb T. And I'm your host, Reb T.